Hello and welcome to Definitions, the podcast where we crack the lid of the coffin on death, dying, and all the morbid morsels in between. Before we go any further, halt and take heed. These are your words of warning. I will be discussing topics of a deathly nature that may be upsetting to some, as we will be talking about queer horror books and everything that that entails. If you're not in the right headspace to get down and dirty with the maggots today, then that's fine. I totally get it. Sometimes you'd rather dig into cake and a good romance novel than a freshly dug grave. Now's your time to save yourself. If you're still here, I'll assume you've got your shovels at the ready, because today is part one of chatting to my splendiferously spooky best friend Meg about all things queer horror. This week, we're looking back at some of our favourite queer horror fiction, so let's get stuck in. best friend Meg um, mm-hmm. both of us ex booksellers horror lovers and so I thought who best to talk through some horror books and horror films than she herself and of course because it is Pride Month although one of these episodes will be coming out at the beginning of July but Pride Month isn't just June every month can be Pride Month you know yeah. it's fine we can keep Pride going so you know if it gets to the end of year exactly year round both. <laughs> when was the last time I did a podcast? It's been a little while. It's been a little while. We used to do a podcast together. Um, yeah. If you want even more weird history, then um, you can still find the episodes of Wandering Eye Curios that are currently out there for who knows how long um, for an undisclosed period of time. <laughs> Until um, we redo them and they're better. Exactly, exactly. But um, between the two of us, we read a lot and watch a lot of queer horror. It's something that we both really love, that we're both really interested in. Um, But, I mean, first of all, I'm being extremely rude as a podcast host. Meg, how are you doing? I'm alright. Good. I mean, we've known each other long enough, I don't think. We We have, like, I'm beyond being polite anyway. Yeah, I only come here to see your cat, I'll be honest. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. He's not in here right now, though. Sadly. Um, so because my patience is weaning. I know, but he'd be up on the desk. Um, this is true. Smacking everything off it in sight. So yeah. Yeah. he's banished from the recording room um, while recording or <laughs> editing is going on, I'm afraid. Um, what was the last queer book that you read? Queer horror book? Mm-hmm. Question. Read? I have this really fun thing where I read loads and then I immediately forget what I've read, <laughs> um, which is not helpful. Um, and I'm scared that it was the same when I was a bookseller. I'm hoping it wasn't and I've just lost my skill over time. But I think maybe I was always but it's, it's, like it's this. something that you hone when you're talking to people <laughs> every day about books. And we were very good at bullshitting. We didn't read half the books. We read these books. We, didn't, we do read these books. We're not booksellers books. anymore. Oh, we don't no, need to lie to the I podcast know. listeners. <laughs> um, I think the last one that I uh, read, which I absolutely loved, was The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. Mm. I believe that's how you pronounce it. 
um, which was absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, I now don't remember what it's about, um, but it's basically, from what I remember, about um, this kind of... They're not the human race, but they have similar um, kind of bodies, I guess, or they come across as humans, and they eat books. And um, I found it really interesting that there's these different families, um, these kind of core families, kind of uh, like aristocracy, if you like. Mm. Um, and those are the only ones remaining. I'm guessing they're essentially aliens, but it's not mm -hmm. an alien book because, mm. like you, I do not. I was going to say, if it was aliens. an alien book, you wouldn't have read it. No, I no. wouldn't have been a fan. <laughs> um, so these families are kind of set up in these kind of stately homes, manor houses across, I can't remember whether it's the UK or the US, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, and once, it's really, really rare for uh, the women to give birth to daughters, it's pretty much always men. Mm. And you either give birth to a child that is a book eater, or you give birth to what they call the dragons. So when I first started the book, I just assumed they were mm. actual dragons, which is not really my thing, but I was like, eh, the book eaters sound interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Turns out the dragons are not dragons. Oh. They're these people -y things, like the book eaters, but they eat people's minds. Oh. Yeah. It's problematic. They can eat um, book eaters' minds. I can't remember why. <laughs> have to read it and find out. Um... But yeah, and I found it so fascinating. So it focuses on the main character who, um, between these families to, I guess, avoid the incestuous uh, connotations of interbreeding, mm. um, you can only breed with other families. I think there's five. Yeah. So once you um, are of age, you get married off and you go and join this different family that you've never met before and you have to go and live in this stately home. <laughs> Very kind of gothic idea of, oh, I'm yeah. just here now in this mansion having a baby, great. Jesus. Um, and the baby will stay with you for like, I think it's six months to a year, and then they just get taken away. Mm. You never see that child again, and then moved to a different manor house. Okay. So there's, you know, they're trying to keep the women away from, um, from building those relationships and, you know, having a life, really. Yeah. And the main protagonist um, grows up and starts to have these children and they get ripped away from her and the man that she marries is obviously as awful as you would imagine um, and all the patriarchs are awful everything is run by the men which as we know historically does not go well um, <laughs> don't know what you mean I, <laughs> I just read a book any you know, book <laughs> any book um, and you'll know why that doesn't go well um but yeah, so she is kind of planning her escape and mm. there's not mm -hmm. um, really many ways she can go. All the women in the house are very much against her mm. just because of, you know, how they have been trained to be. And she meets the, I believe, the husband's brother, who is an asexual character, which was very exciting because mm. um, that doesn't come around very often. Um, and he wasn't killed, which is very nice. We enjoy that. Um, That's unheard of. Weird. Yeah. I know. So that was lovely. Um, but yeah, I don't want to say too much more because it's easy to spoil. But I loved those loads of passages about how different books tasted of different things. Yeah. And the children were only allowed to eat fairy tales, especially the girls, to kind of show them that 
you only ever need a prince. You don't need to go anywhere. If you such go anywhere, a, it's dangerous. Such a good allegory. Very, very interesting. And when she gets to um, the manor where she gets married, they only have really kind of modern, glossy paper yeah. and books. Um, I don't quite know why, but the um, the brother is like, if you eat it with ketchup, it's more palatable. <laughs> That's me. That's <laughs> literally you. Um, so, yeah, so... There's these little things, um, and one of the most important parts I've just remembered, this is the thing, like tra- me trying to recommend a book to anyone never goes well. If I tell you it's good, just believe me, because otherwise you're going to get a 20 minute To be fair, I don't think you stood me wrong yet. With... Well, you know, I have good taste, I just can't explain <laughs> why the book's good. You just um, have to take her word for it. Her son is basically born as a mind eater. Okay. So that's yeah. kind of quite an intense... Um, thing that happens i mean it's it's certainly um oh and she's gay (laughs) (laughs) just in case you were wondering why we were talking about it more more than you know like not just asexual um characters but you know gay characters too so definitely queer horror um yeah there's so many Mm. interesting um metaphors Mm -hmm. in there for um the way that we internalize things because mm-hmm. obviously it's like well, well, what's a really good way of showing um that you've taken something inside and it's become a part of yourself where you eat it mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's yeah. what our brains do with ideas mm. so i think that's so interesting but when they when they eat the books mm-hmm. do they take like the whole story and all yeah. the information yeah so there's a really interesting scene when she's kind of trying to plan her escape yeah. And the brother has her eat um, a map of the surrounding oh, area. So she's never. Cool. Oh, and they can't learn to read. They they physically can. I don't know why. It must be something to do with because they consume the books in that way. Yeah. That they can't read. What what? <laughs> what? I'm just thinking like modern world. Obviously, like her son texts for her. I was going to say yeah. like, <laughs> what if you drive? Do you eat the road signs? <laughs> Like, you just drive badly, I guess. But, I mean, oh my God, so, but, oh. well, you learn, don't you? If you know, if you can't read, if you're, you know, you've been failed by the education system, you can recognise symbols and things. I mean, true, true. There's just so many ways in which it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh dear God, this is. Yeah. A... But then they're not supposed to be leaving the manners, <laughs> so they don't really need to. So they shouldn't be anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So it's on them. It's on them to not have the knowledge. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so they take in all this extra information. It's mm. it's a really interesting um, kind of, like you said, way of keeping women down, especially. But yeah. the sons as well um, are kind of just, you're a dragon mm. um, if you were born a mind eater. Or um, there's also kind of the, I guess, police, Gestapo, mm. <laughs> like army kind of thing. Yeah. Um, where... Actually, no, I think I've got that wrong. <laughs> I think the dragons are the army. No, the dragons are the... Yeah, Read the it to find out. Mind. Read it to find out. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, if you hadn't guessed already, um, there will most likely be spoilers Rusty. for most of the books that we yeah, talk about. Yeah, I just about. spoiled that entire book, um, so. I mean, it, nah, it's, it, sounds, it sounds great. It sounds great. I'm trying to think of the last um, queer horror book that I read um, I mean I'm currently reading Carmilla 
Mm -hmm. I'm partway through that, and that is, um, I mean, fascinating on various different levels, partly because, you know, it was written such a long time mm -hmm. ago. The author, Sheridan Lefanu, um, an Irish author, um, yeah. was writing before um, Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, so she really is an archetypal literature vampire and she very much sort of epitomizes the seductress vampire mm. but she's not seducing a man you know oh, oh. <laughs> she's seducing a woman but also it's it's interesting because like it it sort of it goes all the way back to when she's the main character when she's a child when she's really young so you have this like idea of like evil seduction is not something that like you necessarily come into as a as an adult or as a teenager, you know, okay. it's something that's there with you yeah. right from the start. Mm -hmm. So I suppose really, you know, you can look at it as like the fear at the time of that happening. And of course, like you have the whole nature, nurture thing, yeah. which during the Victorian period into the Edwardian and, you know, certainly the early 20th century, you see it sort of blow up within the eugenics movement and, mm -hmm. you know, sort of culminating in World War Two, yeah. um, so you know it's 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 the sort of the seed of something that is pertinent to us in a lot of different ways like I said I'm still reading it at the moment um, but for such a short novel it's so effective I was really surprised by how short it is yeah. I've always just assumed it's yeah. a bit of a time no but it's a story that's been told and retold and, and yeah uh, in so many different versions as well and I think it really encapsulates as, as well how you often have like the female homoerotic stories that aren't necessarily sexual but they are mm. because like it, within sort of relationships of, of two women or you know possibly two AFAB people um you know, like, you can get that question thrown at you of like, well, how do you even have sex? There's this fascination that like, mm. because there's not necessarily a penis, spoiler, sometimes there is, um, you know, yeah. strap-ons are a thing and have been for a long time. Um, but, you know, if, if you're in that kind of situation, people are like, but how does it work? Which to me says more about them and like yeah. their probably unhappy sex lives than it mm. does about. It's that thing we were talking about a while ago that was like, oh, straight women being like, oh, it's not just about having an orgasm. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a nice goal to have. Yeah, I, I mean, how how you get there is is just as important. Uh. But like, it's not a bad thing. That sounds like you're not being fulfilled. Yeah, that sounds like you're making up for. But then, but then the other the, the the crux of that really is looking at how an orgasm doesn't look one way. Yeah, and it it, it certainly doesn't have to look the way that we've seen in porn, mm. and and sex certainly doesn't have to even really involve like the bottom half of your bodies. Yeah, if you don't want it to, because if it's sex to you, then it's yeah, then it's sex. You know, like, we're not talking about, like, legality here. We're not talking about, like, anything that... You know what I mean? 
you know what I mean? Like, like what it would come under yeah. in the law. Like, we're not talking about, no. like, that. We're talking very much about, like, how, like, it is in personal relationships. But, yeah, certainly things like eye contact and lingering touches mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It's, it's all about the tension, I think. Sensuality. It is, it mm. is. And I think when it comes to relationships between women, that is very much what it can be about which isn't to say that you know like you can't be carnal because i think unfortunately that sometimes bleeds over into this idea that it never becomes like this real full-blown intimacy um and that it somehow stays pure and virginal and, and you have this like boston marriages and and like this idea that you know um well, it's not really a relationship because nothing happens. And uh, if you've ever been in one of those relationships, I challenge you um, <laughs> to, to, you know, tell me that, that nothing happens. Although yourself being an asexual, well, I mean... Nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> Markedly different. Markedly different. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm reading at the moment. I would say... One of the ones that I've read fairly recently would be the Book of Queer Saints, mm. which is a book of queer short stories, and um, a lot of the characters are in their villain eras, Ooh. which I really Always enjoy for, for them. It's it's an anthology, um, and yeah, there are just characters in it that just stay with you. Mm. One of them in particular is he he's not human at all he's like some weird bug creature and when he touches you and i i can't remember whether it's every time he touches you or if it's just like at certain times he will stick to you oh no and you will like become a part of him you'll like liquidize and become a part of him but it's sort of and and he's gay and he's a teenager and like at the same time as coming out he's also like going through like the whole like from a larvae into an adult mm. insect of like, you know, it's, you go into a cocoon and everything happens and, and all that kind of stuff, but then also addresses the like, the sheer level of intimacy that can be in queer relationships where it's like, yeah. you know, people almost can kind of want to climb inside each other and just sort of become the same person. Mm in some ways because of the intensity of it yeah especially as a teenager i think that story really mm. encapsulates it but the, so many of the, the the stories within it are fantastic i can't think of the monster's name but that makes me think of the doctor who episode oh my god <laughs> <laughs> the absorber <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be nice, no. you know. Although I'm excited for the new mm. Doctor Who I've not watched in a long time. No, I, I have. Ugh. But like, if you look at the list of like people that like Jinx Monsoon yeah. is going to be in it as one of the villains, I'm very excited. I used to love it, that. and like he does with everything, Stephen Moffat just ruined it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Your opinion may differ, but we are right. Um. Yeah, you can think what you want, <laughs> but you're wrong. We watched it for a long time. And Christopher Eccleston is still the best. Um, I will fight anyone. You love him. I love him. Though. I don't care. He's the best doctor. And, you know, I don't care. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I know you disagree, but, you know. I am, I'm a David Tennant Doctor Who And David Tennant's wonderful. I love him. But yeah. 
Chris is massively underrated. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> back to the content. I'll try and be more concise this time. Um, at the start of the year, I read Not Good for Maidens by Tori Bovolino, which I thought was phenomenal. Mm. And the official kind of write-up is Salem's Lot meets the darkest part of the forest in this horror fantasy retelling of Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market. Now, I hadn't read Goblin Market Ooh, before. Yeah. Um, I knew kind of the obvious. Yeah. Uh, I've now since read it. Um, but it is just such a phenomenal um, kind of queer uh, a fantasy adventure, romance, horror. It's kind mm. of got everything you want in it. So, um, in set in York and it was actually just after I'd got back from York so I was really sad <laughs> that I hadn't read it while I was there um, but so every year there is a, uh, a goblin market and there's the wicked women who live in York who are witches and they've defended um, kind of most of the public from the goblins um, but when the goblin market goblin market comes around um, Basically, they have a deal with the goblins that they can kill a certain amount of people mm. during the market and bring them in and eat them, um, as long as they don't kill people the rest of the year. <laughs> so that's like a long-standing tradition, and part of that deal is that the witches do not go into the goblin market. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a big no-no. You, you don't go in. Um, and what happens? It's a witch goes in. <gasps> So um, it's kind of split between two timelines. So you've got um, May who goes in, who falls for a goblin girl um, and gets, because I think you have to be kind of invited into the market by the goblins, I don't think you can enter otherwise. Um, and it's very, it's kind of, um, what's the word? It kind of goes down into the earth and there's oh, lots of cool. levels and you're going yeah. down and it's just incredibly easy to get trapped there and if you eat the goblin food or drink the goblin like drinks, fairy law yeah, yeah you're you are stuck. trapped yeah so it's really really dangerous and it doesn't matter that they have this um kind of deal you know if you go in there you shouldn't be in there so mm. they will kill you <laughs> or keep you or do whatever they want to do with you yeah um so you know may has to well they have to go and save her because yeah. she is trapped because she's yeah. gone in and then 17 years later there's lou who is may's niece um, whose cousin then also gets taken into the goblin market yeah. so they have to um, go and find her and characters kind of come back um, some that you're expecting, some that you're not and it's just, it's so good, it's so well written It sounds fantastic and I know you loved it because oftentimes you'll tell me mm. um, after you've loved a book but you were texting me while you were reading it. <laughs> yeah. Like normally you won't pick up the phone while you're reading it. No. To it's because I'm always worried it's going to be it. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'll wait. I'll wait until I finished it and confirmed it's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, it was really, really great. And it's obviously you've got um, the romance between May and the Goblin Girl, but you've mm. also got familial love and especially female love between, you know, mothers and sisters and aunts and that idea of there's these really intense family secrets that can completely shatter um, the trust that you have in the people that you love the most and how you um, kind of start to rebuild those relationships. I was just thinking on what you were saying um, in terms of waiting to the end of the book to... No, no, but I think think it's in some ways quite a unique queer experience Mm. 
because like we were joking before oh the asexual doesn't die yeah yeah and i think there's a few reasons why mm -hmm. we hold our breath and we wait to the end of a book sometimes even when it's written by a queer author mm -hmm. um to see what happens to these characters and sometimes you don't want to recommend it to your queer friends too mm -hmm. soon because sometimes as a queer person you get some really nasty surprises yeah. um and whether it's that the queer person the asexual person the gay person dies yeah. or multiple die right at the end or whether nice you're trauma porn. exactly yeah. or whether you're a trans person who gets part way through the book only to realize that the person writing it is transphobic um yeah. which is heartbreaking so i feel like there's a lot of the time where i'm like holding my breath and especially when you're reading queer horror in particular. Yes. And, and I think this is an, in, an interesting difference that has sort of sprung up in the last maybe like five, ten years, is that queer books versus queer horror, there's a lot more queer books, like queer horror yes. books out, sorry, queer horror books versus queer horror movies. There's mm -hmm. a lot more queer horror books coming out and out there, but that can also make it slightly more of a minefield and you're giving more of your time and energy to yeah. that book as well so to get to the end of it and then to find out that like oh fuck mm -hmm. like why did i read this yeah. um why have they done this mm -hmm. uh, how has this decision been made yeah and so it's wonderful because there's so many more out there queer horror books with queer horror characters written by queer authors <laughs> whereas with queer horror films and we'll talk about this more in, in the next episode um you settle more yeah i don't know whether it's because a sh it's a shorter form so you give less of your time to it you've given two hours maybe so uh, it doesn't feel as big of a betrayal in some ways mm -hmm. and whether just because there is less queer representation in horror films so you will kind of take it where you can get it whereas the standard the bar is higher now mm -hmm. when you're reading yeah because there is so much good queer horror fiction there are so many queer people refusing not refusing sorry demanding to be heard now yeah as they have done forever yeah but the door is finally very slowly opening yeah and it's starting to people are saying you know no yeah you know it's it's things like american horror story yeah yeah which we wanted to love and there's parts of it elements of we still adore season two is but it's like but even season two they didn't need to, spoilers they didn't need to be aliens look we just don't <laughs> like aliens i feel like we've never liked feel, aliens like, we we love anything <laughs> like paranormal we listen to like folklore okay. stuff that's like, fine I think that like, you just yeah. <laughs> just because the creator's queer does not mean it's good content for queer people. That's true. Like, That's true. Unfortunately, one does not always equal the others. Queer people, horrifically. True, but then also just because you're queer. I mean, we've seen it in the media this year with that American. I don't. I don't know, he's a politician. I don't know if he's like a senator or whatnot, but like he's been sort of very vocal in the rolling back of queer and specifically like trans yeah, people's yeah. rights and like drag bands and then you had all these photos of him come out wearing drag i mean it's the same story you know it's always yeah. the same story but like there are certainly queer people and we were talking about it just now who do not have the best wishes of other queer people yeah. and 
you know, not to bring everything back to trauma, but... <laughs> why not? Why not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why? I cannot think why else you would um, wish the, the, the horrible things that you have been through because of the way the world treats you because you're queer mm. on other people. Like, I can't fathom a mind. Like, or being in a state of mind where I go, these horrible things have happened to me. I want them to happen to someone else. Yeah. I don't even want them to happen to people who are homophobic or transphobic. Mm-hmm. Because why on earth would you wish that? Yeah. It's this idea of, well, I suffered, so so should you. Oh, God, it's so... It's disgusting. I don't want anyone to go through the things I've gone through. No. I want it to be easier. Right? Like, for every generation that comes. Fuck that. Yeah. But I, I think that's one of the wonderful things about queer writing is that mm-hmm. in a way that you can't do with films some people may argue you can but I would say that you can't do with films is you can slide under the skin yeah. and into the mind of someone else mm-hmm. um, and, and I, mean, I mean there's also the element that like with a film there's so many more people involved like if you're writing a book you may have an editor mm-hmm. you may have a publicist you know um, you may have that side of it but primarily it's, it's your baby Yeah. you know like it's mostly coming from you, whereas a film or a TV show can be diluted by so many other voices and so many other people that even if you start off with the best of intentions, I feel like there's so many more ways for it to just go sideways. Yeah, no, totally. Um, But I'm super off topic here. I'm just just rambling now. Um, (laughs) I would say one of the best, well, I would say a lot of the best queer horror writing count the times that I say queer horror writing or queer horror books and do a shot you will be off your face by the time yeah. you finish listening to this uh, maybe I'll listen to it back and do that <laughs> um, but a follow up episode um, I've completely oh yes so YA mm. queer horror and YA go together just so beautifully Mm -hmm. so perfectly and i have to say a lot of my favorite books in that genre yeah um are ya books Mm -hmm. and i think one of our joint favorites is probably pet by akweke emetsi Mm -hmm. who is a fabulous non-binary author end up being some very interesting discourse around them as well after they were nominated for the women's prize yeah. uh, if you're interested in that go and read up about it because it is fascinating mm-hmm. um but this book is just brilliant and they've, they've they've done a follow-up to it which neither of us have actually read yet called bitter but the book the the first book is just fantastic i mean for starters you have a main character who is um a young trans girl mm-hmm. Um, and if like you've ever struggled to put into words like the the sort of metaphor of like how insidious homophobia mm. and transphobia in the media yeah. can be and, and how when we're told everything is fine and we've come so far so why should we keep pushing and why should we keep looking for the places and the people who were trying to take us backwards mm. um, and harm us because we're fine. Like we can get married, you know. We have the vote now, right? Shut up. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like it just, it just like it highlights mm-hmm. that like 
malignant underhandedness. I think malignant's a really good word. Yeah, the yeah, whole book absolutely. just sort of drips with it. E even when at the beginning, ostensibly everything is fine, Yeah. but they're just fantastic at bringing through this sense of unease and mm. like, things are not okay and it's a facade. Yeah. Kind of Edward Scissorhandsy. Yeah, I see that. It kind of came out of nowhere as well, I think. Mm. I don't know about you, but that was the first time I'd heard of the author. That, that was the first time I heard yeah, of it. Yeah, I think maybe they started with YA and then... I oh no, because Fresh, Fresh, Fresh Water, Water I feel like came... Time, which is the adult um, Which is the one that was nominated yeah. for the prize. Um, but yeah, I, I was a kids book seller at the time. Yeah. You did a lot of kids book selling as well. Yeah. Um, and I remember our lovely colleague, Morag, Oh, shout out to Mora. I love Mora. Oh, babe. She's great. Um, <laughs> recommended it, and like, don't get me wrong, everything Mora recommended generally was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this one really, I don't remember if I read it first or you read it first, but it I really think you took read us it by first. surprise. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, we need to read the second one. So, but I, yeah. I think it, it's doubly interesting because neither of us were out in the way that we are now. No. When we read it, yeah. and yet we still felt it. Mm -hmm. I think something in us understood yeah. beyond even the words and our fully formed notions mm. of ourselves that, like, oh, we, we get this. Yeah, mm. but that's why these stories need to be told. Yeah. It's, it's why representation is so important. <gasps> Recognition of yourself yeah. is so powerful. And, like, coming to terms with my asexuality was such a huge thing that kind of didn't feel I don't know it kind of didn't feel like I was allowed to come to terms with it as much because mm. there's always, not with you obviously but there's always kind of I felt a little bit of animosity from some very few minority members of the LGBTQ plus community mm. that asexuals aren't kind of part of it um, so it took me a lot longer to kind of come to terms with that but yeah it's such a queer spaces are so safe mm. and it's so yeah. it's such a privilege yeah. to be a part of them and to mm. be part of the community but we, we, we were having an interesting conversation earlier about how sometimes um, women only spaces mm. can not every woman only space but certainly in media in in film and in, in books when you have something that creates a very sort of feminine space it can kind of bleed over into mixing with that queer space feeling yeah and it's it's that space without cis men yeah um and it's the safety mm -hmm. that can come with with that space um yeah and un unfortunately asexuality still suffers from a lack of awareness mm. and people knowing about it yeah I, what baffles me is the this kind of vitriolic idea of like oh well that's wrong and it's like more than any other kind of sexuality expression in my opinion a lot of us aren't doing it <laughs> so why do you care <laughs> like if you're a homophobe who cares about two men having sex two women having sex two people of you know, AFAB, non-binary. Uh, 
it's none of your fucking business. Well, but for like, starters, yeah. But there's sex happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, some asexual people have sex, but like for the ones that don't, yeah. Like, what are you worried about? It just it doesn't. It's none of your business. And for me, over the years, like thinking about it and wondering whether that kind of fit to me, it was my you know, cis, straight presenting friends that had issues with it. It was mm. never my queer friends. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's um, we see it time and again, this like purity and, and moral mm. panic. Um, and that's often something which is explored a lot in queer YA, mm-hmm. um, whether it's through sort of parents or a government, an oppressive government system, um, or just the way that the the world is is sort of set up, but you know, like you saw it with things like the Satanic Panic. Mm. Um, you saw it with the the um, HIV and AIDS crisis of the the sort of eighties and nineties, um, and with the with the gay liberation movement um, now with trans people and I think I mean this is kind of my own theory here Mm. but I feel like it goes hand in hand with capitalism and that might seem like totally out of like left field but like hang on a sec because things have to be saleable and things have to be palatable Mm -hmm. to be saleable so you can't be too much anything and you can't stand out too much and you can't be too much from what the world and oftentimes what we've written to law you know what what that says is is normal so you know if you're not that then you have to squash yourself into into being that to the point where it is terrifying not to be Mm. it is so scary and it can take your whole life to reach a point where um you're comfortable with that yeah um and i think before now it was a lot harder to do that and that's something the representation does is it makes space for people to to see themselves and be like oh it's okay there are spaces where i am safe where i don't have to be palatable Mm -hmm. for you know like the masses and like i'm not anti-social media and by any means but social media certainly has gone a long way in like changing how we think we should be um, absolutely but mind you it's worth remembering that you curate what you see to a large extent and so there are so many amazing queer creators out there who will mirror you yeah um no matter who you are so go looking for them like go out of your way to find them um because they are there they are there and and even if the only safe space that you have is one that is online on TikTok or on Instagram. Yeah. That's okay. That is still just as valid um, as, you know, physically having people around you. I've gone on a massive tangent here. No, I think um, it's important to talk about. And as well, like, we're not quite in the same generation, but we were kind of the first generation to grow up on things like Tumblr. Oh my and God, yeah. While Tumblr. <laughs> Is, don't get us wrong, it's very problematic. The in a proud lot of ways. dumpster fire of the internet. <laughs> um, you know, I come from a very homophobic, um, horrible minded place, and mm. I think if I hadn't had 
you know, the internet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. different opinions to the ones that people held from where I was from, I would be a much worse person, at least a very different person. Yeah. Because from a very early age, you know, I didn't really fit in with my peers and I spent a hell of a lot of time on Tumblr. This is the thing, empathy is not yeah. inherent. Empathy is exactly. learned. Empathy is is looking at your own experiences and someone else's and saying, here I understand you, Mm -hmm. and that's one kind of empathy, but the other more important kind of empathy to me is saying, I don't understand you, but I still accept you, and what you do is none of my business. Exactly. Research (laughs) is so important. Yeah. And I mean, any bookseller will tell you. Oh my God. How much more their, how much their reading changed. Like I never read non-fiction before I became a bookseller and now I read non-fiction. You are so hard-pressed so to find much. someone who is well-read mm-hmm. who has any massive yeah. biases. Like, the more Absolutely. you read and the more you learn, um, and the more you understand. Yeah. Because so much of it is, is, is understanding and like I will accept naivety up to a point, but if I get even a whiff of ignorance... Yeah, naivety then, and willful oof. ignorance are very different things. Yeah. But naivety itself is even only forgivable to a point. To a point, yeah. Um, especially if you're harming yourself, because mm-hmm. you know naivety and ignorance could be self harm, you know, as much as yeah. anything else. But anyway, we were saying YA, <laughs> queer horror, YA. <laughs> it's a gold mine for it. Yes. Um, whether it's one of my all-time favorites, which is Wranglestone, mm-hmm. which need to read it. this book cured me. Through the power of gay love, <laughs> this book cured me of my zombie phobia. Okay. Did it? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes, you because I. Can we watch Shaun of the Dead now? Maybe. No. <laughs> so it didn't cure you that much, did it? <laughs> I I used to be desperately mm. desperately afraid of zombies. Um, I used to have nightmares about them. Um, I don't know why zombies in particular. Uh, it's something that I'll go through with my therapist at some point, but not yet. <laughs> Um, and then I'll come back and tell you about it, but, (laughs) but this book is just phenomenal. I don't know how he came up with the idea of it, but you have this world where a zombie virus has taken over and, um, you have a group of people who are surviving in Yellowstone National Park Mm -hmm. and they live on houses in stilts in the middle of the lake. And so for the whole year, they are safe until the lake freezes over. And you find, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, because you find yourself at the beginning of the book, um, and the yeah, it lake, jumps right in, it, it does, it goes straight in, and the lake is just about to start to freeze over. Mm-hmm. So they're at the most dangerous point of the year. And so you think going in, you know that the main character is gay. You know he's gay from the offset. You're not sure if it's going to be a romance read it to find out spoilers it's a romance <laughs> and i love it i, say, I think that's very obvious <laughs> yeah. like i read a few pages and I was yeah. Like, yeah but like there's this danger and and so you kind of think that the whole book is going to be about them surviving mm. and it gets turned on its head so fast mm. so fast because nothing is what it seems nothing and the more th- like the further through the book you get you're like oh my god and there are some moments where things happen that are just horrifying. 
but in a way where you're like, how did you come up with this? It's like, so bad that I'm like, I'm in your house, so I need this book. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying things, you say? Like, like, I'll tell you about this one part, because I don't think you'll want to read it any less once you hear about no. it. So they're living in the lake, on these houses and stilts, mm. and you're aware that there's another group of people, because there's there's this big cliff face nearby. And the way that these other people have survived is they've hung their tents off of the cliff and seemingly they've been there for a really long time. So like they'll see the lights of their tents like away in the distance. Um, and they're okay there because the thing is if these zombie creatures see the lights, they'll come towards them, but it's like they won't, it's fine. And I can't remember why, but there's some point in the book where the zombies realize that they're there and in order to get to them, like I, I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes, but it's like they hear screaming and they're like where's this coming from are they nearby what's going on and they realize that the zombies are throwing themselves over the cliff and the weight of them is taking down the tents and so it's these spots of light that are blinking out as the tents are falling and so the screaming is the people inside and it's it's fucking it's terrifying. Visual, it is. It is. It, I I read this book several years ago now, and <sighs> it just lives in my brain. Wow. But like, there's so many twists. Yeah, no, I need to read. There's it. so many points where you're just gagging, and like, <laughs> you're just like, I need to put the book down. I need to go for a walk, mm. and then come back to it and be like, okay, That's let's go. Wild. Let's go. Yeah. Um. You have to read it. I was waiting for you to say the zombies are like rock climbing. No. And I don't know why, but it's so much worse. Yeah. They're just like falling Jeez. over themselves. Like, yeah. But that, that one is that one is fantastic. Um, Wilder Girls, which you have read. Mm. Again, infectious. Yeah. Uh, sapphic. Uh, girls' school, school trapped on an island off the coast of Maine because everything fucking happens in Maine. Obviously. Um, Stephen King made it so. This is true, including one of my favourite book series of all time, which is John Connolly's mm. Charlie Parker series. Which, if you love investigative. In <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> investigative. Thank you. That word. It's rare that I can do the word. <laughs> <laughs> Swap roles. Um, but yes, investigative crime, supernatural horror. I need to read them. They're so good. They've been going since the 90s. Has it been that long? Yeah. Um, and there's like more than 15 books in the series. Yeah. I'm not up to date with them. I'm still reading them. It's the series that I will forever go back to. Um, and it has one of my favorite gay couples, Louis and Angel. And they are, respectfully, a hitman for hire <laughs> and a really terrible thief mm. who keeps getting caught and has been repeatedly in and out of prison. But basically, they would die for the main character and I just love them. Like, you do have this kind of masculinity thing going in the book, um, which at times you're like, this is kind of dated because some of them are literally like 15, 20 years ago. But there is a book in particular that deals with Louis, who's the hitman who grew up in the Deep South as a um, a man of colour, as a black man. And there is a book in the series that deals with his growing up. And I mean, the book itself, I think, is really interesting and I think would 
resonate with a lot of queer horror readers mm. because it is about how trauma leaves a mark. Yeah. So much of it is about how bad things can leave stains. Um, and in this book it comes out in sort of supernatural ways, but I, I think you can read a lot of it as psychological, not necessarily as supernatural yeah. as, as well. Um, I just adore them. I just, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. always light up when you talk about them. <laughs> um, I'd like to mention ones that I know you love. Yeah. One of our favourite series, which is The Raven Boys by Maggie Stubart. Maggie! Everyone's in love with everyone. There's legitimate queer relationships and non-queer relationships, but I think we both agree. Emotionally, they're all poly. They're all queer. They, they might not be, like, physically... Yeah having sex with each other. I mean, they so are emotionally. So, emo- oh my god, they are fucking emotionally. I mean, they're also fucking with each other's emotions. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean there's time oh, travel, there's the hunt for a dead Welsh king. who's come- ley lines. Oh. It's... There's bees. <laughs> You're queer, you have to love bees. <laughs> I love this series so much. And you made every bookseller read them. I made over, every bookseller read them. Summer. Yes. Oh, and my most memorable point was there's a part at the end of the fourth book. I will give no spoilers for no, these books. No, spoilers. None. But there is a point where we were sat in the staff room and she threw it at my head. <laughs> because she didn't want to continue reading it, but she also wanted to continue reading it more than she wanted to breathe. Oh. It is that kind of book where you're like, I cannot go on, but I have to. It's such a YA thing where, I mean, I believe you can do this with any book, mm. but specifically YA books where you're like up at night at 3am because you can't put it down and you have to read it. Yeah. I was the same reading. I don't remember what book it is, but there's one particular book in the Cirque de Freak series by Darren Shan. Again, no spoilers. Darren Shan. Oh, Darren Shan. Darren, Darren Shan ruined a lot of us. I think <laughs> we should do a whole episode on... But I'm not going to say who dies. Someone dies. And it's unexpected. And I... Oh my book. god, I know what you're talking yeah. about. And, <gasps> and you read it and you're like, everything's fine. We thought it was bad, but it's fine. And then the next episode is like, lol though, he died. And I threw the book. It was like 3am, I threw the book. I woke my parents up. Because <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> sobbing for like an hour. And the Raven Cycle series. R- Raven Cycle, um, yeah. It's like that, it's just so... You become obsessed. And I think about, as someone who doesn't remember anything about anything, the I thing read, is, the thing is, <laughs> they stick with They're me. obsessed with each other. They're obsessed with each other. And they're obsessed with this mission they're on. Yeah. And the spoiler is that it's called the Raven Cycle. Because no, nothing is linear. No, like, it will make sense, but you will get deja vu while you're reading it. Yeah. Because you'll be like, we've been here before. Mm-hmm. Wait. And the foreshadowing is exquisite. <laughs> Maggie is the master of foreshadowing. And I mean, to give you an idea of how much I love these books, when I legally changed my name last year, mm. one of the names of the characters is now one of my middle names. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I love them. I love that. So fucking much. He's... <laughs> and I love all of them, but like... As someone who grew up very he angry, to you most like, of Adam all. speaks yeah. to me very deeply. Yeah. Oh, I love them all. Ronan, though. Oh, Ronan. <sighs> like. I want to live in Blue's house. I want Blue's family. I want Blue's family. Like, I want to be friends with all of them. You do. You just, like. I love them. 
you just you feel like you're there. It's like Maggie grabs your little face gently. If you've ever if you've ever had like a summer mm. that you feel like is going to last forever and it feels somehow magic, whether it's because the days don't feel like they end yeah. or and and I don't know for me I had these when I was a kid growing up because of like living in the middle of fucking nowhere <laughs> where you would just be out on your yeah. own at like God knows what time and you'd feel like anything could happen. Mm. Um but it has it has that sense that like even as someone who does not believe in anything, she will make you believe that magic is real. Mm-hmm. And like the sheer power, mm. the gift to be able to do that is like the idea that she may have never written these books distresses me yeah. beyond that we may have never read these books. Oh like I don't who would I be? You wouldn't be queer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, obviously, you just talked about a lovable hitman, but like, to make me love the grey man, the grey man, the grey man, the grey man so much. Like, just everyone. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, I know. Right, right. you know that from the minute you know the grey oh, man. Oh, I know, but he comes into it later. Yeah. You know. You know. Okay, sorry. Book three spoiler. <laughs> and then book I don't know. But yeah, they're just you must read them, even if you're not someone who likes YA. Even if you're not someone who likes magic particularly, you yeah. love them. They have something for everyone. Yeah, and it's they're just they are they are fantastic. I cannot talk about them highly enough. I actually I had the honor of meeting mm. Maggie Stifater, um last year mm. uh, when she did an event at the bookshop that I was working at, and um, I got to tell her about my name and I got to talk to her and um, she drew me something that I'm going to get tattooed at some point which I still haven't done but it's currently bookmarked in in my copy of the first book of The Raven Boys and oh, just fantastic um, but I would say some other really good queer horror YA Cemetery Boys mm. is fantastic. If you're looking for trans-centric, um, non-white-centric as well, because it's predominantly yeah. um, sort of Latinx characters, gay romance as well, ghosts, so good, familial stuff, like just you're trying to do your best to make your family proud whilst also like being the most authentic version of yourself. Yeah. I think it really represents that struggle okay. um, really well, actually. And the audiobook is read by... Yes. Um, oh, his first name is definitely Avi, but I can't remember his surname. He's a trans actor. He's... Uh, or they mm. are brilliant. Um, so I highly recommend listening to the audiobook, which is fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, released by Patrick Ness is also phenomenal. Whether you like Patrick Ness or not, <laughs> we'll say no more on that. Hey, I think he's a phenomenal author. He is a phenomenal author. Just... You'll, you'll probably know him from um, Monsticles. Mm. That's probably his most famous. Yeah. I actually found him in his original trilogy, which started with The Knife of Never, Never Letting Let Go. Go. I, yeah, I remember reading that. 
like year seven. Crazy, crazy. Something. Like to to have started with that, they are fantastic. Mm. But it's a book called Release, which I read in a couple of hours, mm. basically. Um, and you have these two stories which are happening in the same town and are kind of disconnected, but not. And um, at the same time, you have these two gay teenagers, one of whom is the son of a pastor who over the course of a day is trying to work out how to and whether to come out to his dad. And then you have this teenage girl who she's been down at the lake doing drugs with her boyfriend and he thinks she's died. And he freaks out and he drops her body in the lake. But she's not dead. And the spirit of the lake gets mingled with hers and ends up inside her body. And basically has until the end of the day to seek revenge for her. And she has basically this really stressed out little minion who's running around being like, My queen! My queen! We're running out of time! But she's like smashing through like... Yes. (laughs) But she's like smashing through like concrete prison walls to like find the people who are truly responsible for like what's happened to her. Because it's not just like this shitty boyfriend it's like investigating everything in her life and these two things are happening at the same time during the same day in this town and they nearly cross paths so many fucking times um but it it is it is fantastic that sounds great um and i highly recommend it um any last recommendations that you want to make on the subject there's so many um we weren't massively enamoured with the ending, but we both really enjoyed playing Bad Heroines. Yeah. There were some really, really great aspects to it. Yeah. And it's rare that I, I'm a commitment phobe, so it's rare that I will commit to a book <laughs> over 300 pages. It's it's a big so boy. It's, it's, it's a, a compliment a that I read the whole yeah. thing. I think, I think it, it's certainly an important read for mm-hmm. like queer books that have come out over the last few yeah. years and it's really interesting and in a lot of ways very well done Mm. and a lot of creeping foreboding and foreshadowing that is excellent but for us it just sort of fell apart at the end Mm. um there were so many things to wrap up and like don't get me wrong i'm not someone who needs everything tied in a neat bow Mm. but there wasn't enough um if I put that much time into something, that's the I, thing. I need some kind of resolution. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's a bad one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have, I would have taken that, but instead, it just felt unsatisfactory. Because an open ending doesn't have to feel unsatisfactory if you do it correctly. And this wasn't an open ending. Bear in mind, it actually wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was. Yeah. I think it was well I'd written. Still and recommend the char- it. I still recommend it. I definitely, yeah, I still recommend it. it. Very well written, and the characters were all very interesting, yeah. and it did a lot of really interesting things. Yeah. Um, I also really enjoyed. I think I read it last year, but um, what moved the dead by T Kingfisher, which has been all over social media. Yeah. Um, I think it came out a little while ago now, but it's a retelling of The Fall of the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. And I haven't really read any Edgar Allan Poe, which always seems baffling for someone who likes creepy things. We're terrible when it comes to classics. We're very bad. We're so bad. Um, and it's... So, yeah, so it follows Alex Easton, who is a non-binary soldier um, who's just returned, 
and goes to the kind of home of the ushers and there's this kind of nightmarish fungal kind of growth and um, it's kind of near a, a moor, that classic spooky moor with the mist or the har in Scotland here. Mm. Um, and the they're going to see their friend who is kind of, I don't think it's ever explicitly stated, but there might have been a romance there might not have. There was mm-hmm. at least some feelings if there oh, wasn't a feelings. romance. Oh, feelings. <laughs> um, so Madeline, who is the girl that they go to see, is sleepwalking and there's kind of strange voices. Mm. And at one point, which the, uh, I think it's the American cover, has some creepy looking rabbits on it or hares. Oh, yes. But the yeah. English cover's just hand with some mushrooms which is still great it's still really cool um and these uh hairs are possessed by something um and you'll have to read more to find it out but that was very very well written very kind mm. of um concise mm. i quite like things to be wrapped up again it doesn't have to be perfectly wrapped up mm. but i like i hate finishing a book and then being like what was that about <laughs> It really annoys me. Like, if it's just because it's too highbrow for me, then I'll accept it. But if it's just badly written and I don't know what's happened, I'm not a fan. <laughs> but I need to read more things by T. Kingfisher, which yes. is a pseudonym of yeah. Ursula someone. I don't know. Couldn't tell name. you. No. But but she's done a lot of um, kind of kids and YA books under that pseudonym, and I think her adult fiction is yeah. under her real name. Yeah. Um, but that was great. Yeah, yeah, it sounds fantastic, but that is a lot for you lot to yeah. be getting on with reading, I think. <laughs> so it'll probably be that we come back and talk through some more um, queer horror books. Yeah. Um, but next week we will be talking all things queer horror movies. Um, so if you like the two of us babbling on about queer horror shit, then... Uh, join us again next week but Meg thanks for having thank me thank you very much for you're being here let like me you're borrow not always all here. <laughs> so there you have it I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that you'll go and pick up some of the books we've talked about I've said it before and I'll say it again and to be honest I'll keep saying it wherever you can keep buying your books from independence If you do read them, let me know your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you have any spooky queer favourites, please give me your recommendations. If you are also a lover of the dark, the strange, and possibly of cursed literature, join me over on TikTok at Definitions, and on Instagram and Twitter as well, where I also chronicle and recommend all of my favourite morbid books. If you have any thoughts to share about the podcast or your own impending mortality, drop them in the comments. Reviews and ratings go a long way in helping to get this podcast out there and I greatly appreciate the support. I want to tell you guys about all this weird stuff as much as you want to hear about it. The more you let me know you're out there listening, the more I'm inspired to delve into the depths of the internet and my local library to bring you these twisted tales. The Definitions podcast is research written and read by me, Jasper Chanter, with music provided by Zapsplat. Anyway, chop chop, break's over, pick that shovel up. That grave's not going to dig itself. Bye bye for now, listeners. Catch you on the other side.